Yarn. Yarn twelve. Chanson me arm. I've been off the drink now going on three months. Not a drop. Not since me health scare. But the sun is still mad for it, of course. The fridge is always full of cans. My Carl and Black Label and his Carlsberg. Just so there wouldn't be any confusion. Well, he's since gone through whatever was left of mine, though. <clears throat> he's been bringing them off with him when he goes on his course. For his lunch break. They're making him do a reading course. Can you believe that? The fecker goes through about five books a week, but they don't know that. The sci-fi shite. His head is constantly stuck in a book. He gets a new bunch out every Tuesday from the library in town. Oh, I prefer reading about the real world myself. I read the paper from cover to cover every morning with a cup of coffee. Black. That sets me up for the day. They're making him do the reading course because he wasn't doing a tap on the computer course. He just sit there and look at the screen. And they says, you have to at least try or we'll report you. And he says, we can't read, so learning computers is pointless. He thought he was being a right clever cunt until a letter comes through the door saying he's been signed up for an adult literacy course. So now he's back learning his ABCs with a bunch of thick cunts and foreigners. <laughs> that makes me laugh. Sitting there all morning pretending he can't read and he dying to get home and crack into one of his uh, space books. Oh, he's well able to crack into my cans at his 11 o'clock break though. The teacher used to give out to him but now she just leaves him off. It's not worth the hassle I'd say. To tell you the truth, I'd be worrying about him sometimes. On Friday, he goes down to the pub, Walsh is in town. And the thing is, you couldn't trust him walking home. He goes a bit wobbly on his feet after a few. The feckin' guards brought him home one night. He was after falling asleep in the flower bed in the middle of the roundabout. And the next day, he says, Well, that was handy. Free taxi. Jeez, he was lucky they didn't throw him in the drunk tank for the night. Or, God forbid, if a car hit him stone dead. I says to him that if that happens again, he could wake up to Bridie Murphy or one of her tidy towns crowd picking litter around him at six in the morning. And that made him think twice all right. And his mother was always worrying after him. That much good it did. I met herself over in Leeds in, um, oh God, what was it, 68 or, or 70, I suppose. Beautiful she was. A yank, like yourselves. I went over for work with a load of the lads. We did some savage work over there, in digging drains, building walls, knocking walls, laying asphalt. It's a dirty job, that one. And you'd follow the truck so you could end up way out the road in the middle of nowhere. And me and the boys, we used to start bringing a few spuds with us. And then, at the break, we'd lob the spuds, skin and all, into the vat of hot tar and let them boil. And then we'd fish them out break them open and eat them off our shovels. If the tar stuck right to the skin, so the inside bit was, was lovely, so it was. Anyway, I went through a fair few jobs over there. And I'd get bored after a few weeks and then go on a bit of a session and then start thinking about getting a new job. And that's where I met the Yank girl. She was working in the office 
getting terrible hassle from the boss. So I says to her, Feck him and these shower cunts, let's get the feck out of here. And she came off with me. We moved around England for a bit and uh, she was mad to live in London, but no sooner were we there than she gets terrible homesick for America. She gets onto her father and he offers to fly us over. Both of us. Did I hesitate? I didn't, me fuck. So off to the USA I went. Scottsdale, Arizona. But living with her family almost did us in. I mean, the father didn't think much of me. It was hard for him to do anything in his head so far up his own arse. Asher then didn't herself get pregnant. Oh fuck, I was stuck then. We got married anyway and I had the little fella. The same fella doing the reading course now. And I like to remind him every so often that he was born in America. Why don't you get up off your arse and run for president, I says to him. Well anyway, a few months after he's born, I'm still out the pub celebrating and I get into a bit of an altercation over a game of pool with a big black fella. I was scared out of me shit so I hit him a slap before he had a chance to land one on me. And didn't he go down like a sack of spuds? And then the cops come and they lock me up. And when I was out in bail I thought, feck this, I'm not going to one of those American prisons. They're full of riots and queer lads. So I skipped out, got a flight back to Ireland, and I says to myself, that's the last time Uncle Sam will ever hear from me. Now the wife was distraught, of course. She thought I'd run out in her too. Not at all. I phone back, and I say that I'll get everything set up over here first. I'll find a nice house, and then she can move over with the young fella. I just needed a few quid up front for the house. So... Her father wires over some money, and, to be honest with you, I ended up going on the lash for a few months. I buy a bit of land for Billy Ryan to build on instead. But to start, I was well able to build a house myself anyway, so we could have it exactly how we wanted it. The plot was right next door to Billy Ryan's farm, and he says we can stay in the caravan in his yard until the house is ready. Grand job, sound man Billy. Well then, when the wife moves over with the young lad, she's not happy with the situation. She starts saying, A farmyard is no place for a baby. It's dirty. There's a mound of manure five yards from our door. We've no running water. I tell her, and I tell her to be patient, but that just seems to set her off again. I was under a fair bit of stress. One morning I woke up and oh, she's gone. She's, she left a note. She went back to America with the young lad. So, then I met Sheila, an Englishman. Well, she says she's Irish, but she grew up her whole life in Sheffield, so she's a fair strong English accent on her. Her mother was from down the road, all right. She's a, an only child, not counting her twin sister that died when they were born. And when Sheila's mother died, she got left the house and an inheritance. So, I took her off on a round-the-world trip. We went feckin' everywhere, stayed in the best hotels, Europe, South America, feckin' China, Egypt, Morocco. <laughs> Jez, the lads loved Sheila there. <laughs> I used to say to them, what kind of a dowry would you have and then we'll talk. And she's not much of a looker now, Sheila. The ogre. 
I calls her. But she's grand. I mean, looks aren't everything. And back in the day, in Leeds, I brought a lovely young one out to a dinner dance one night, and none of the lads could take their eyes off, wondering how defected I get her. She fancied herself as a bit of a singer, so I kept at her to get up and sing a song. And so she did. Well, fuck me, it was terrible, like a cat drowning. But suddenly, all the loveliness in her fell away, and I couldn't stand her, screeching away up there. So I, I left. I just left her there. Fecked off home, so I did. Yeah. There's no fear of that with Sheila. She's barely got a tooth in her head, let alone a nose. Anyway, so while we're in Morocco, we're having dinner out on the balcony when Sheila just slumps forward, her face planted in her pasta. And I'm laughing at first. Ah, jeez, Sheila, it's not a trough you're eating out of. Come on out of that. But she doesn't move. Turns out she's after having a stroke. She was never right again after that. A bit touched, you know, even more than she was originally. Well, she puts it on too, though, when it suits her. Where's that tenor I left on the table, I'd say? Oh, I thought it, that that was mine, she says. I, I got confused, hon. Confuse me, hers. I'm sure now her inheritance is gone, she'd be after my pension. You couldn't leave any money around the house or she'd have it gone. But she's still driving. She's still driving. Even though she's no taxer or insurance. Doesn't give a fuck. I might dob her in one day and get her locked up. I'd have a couple of nights peace out of it. I've no need for the car myself. I, I don't go anywhere. You're, you're better off letting people come to you at my age. And, and I haven't been to the pub since I gave up the drink, so... No, I mean, I'd start to miss it at Christmas, though. The drink. Uh, the... The ex-wife comes over from the States with her husband to see the young fella, she says. And they stay here. Well, we have a great crack. The husband is a yank like herself and yourselves. Ex-military. He brings over a few bottles of bourbon and I sort out the pochine. I get it from the barman and Walsh's. Gives it out in the wine bottles at Christmas for a few of the regulars. The ex-wife's husband's mad for the stuff. <laughs> He can't hold his drink at all. I, mean, I thought holding your drink would be a requirement in the army. <laughs> and he says, No, that's the Navy you're thinking of. He said, No, he was a soldier though, all the same. He has scars all over him and he's missing bits of ears and a, a bit of his leg. Fuck me, I don't know how he still stands. Last Christmas Eve, we went through the whole of the Pachin and the Bourbon the army man doesn't drink cans, so, as not to be left behind, he takes Sheila's old Heinelli out to look for an off-license. A few hours pass and there's no sign of him. The ex-wife is ringing him and there's no answer, until there is. But it's a nurse in the hospital who answers. Wasn't he after getting knocked over uh, by the, uh, off the bike by a, a van down at the roundabout? Sheila brings us all to the hospital and I'm hoping to God that no one stops us. We make it there, and the doctor says, it's serious. No response to stimuli, he says, after they shine in a light in his eye. Fick, he's in a coma. That's him turned into a vegetable for the rest of his days. And then the ex-wife asks, which eye did you check? Did you check both? And I'm thinking, 
Has she got mad or what? He's got a glass eye, she says. Lost it years ago in Iraq. Well, I've never seen a doctor go as white. They were shining the light on the glass eye. He was grand. Out the next day, in time for Christmas dinner. You don't celebrate Christmas, do ye? Too pagan for ye. Do ye Jehovah's have any crack at all? Listen, you may move on. I don't have time to be talking here all day. I'll tell you what. Head four doors down there to Bridie Murphy. She could use some tormenting. Goodbye. God bless. This has been a story for yarnpodcast.com. Written by John Roach. Performed by Lorcan Cranich.